Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese. I'm joined today by Dan. Yep, sorry guys, you're unlucky. You got the worst two here. No, the, um, you, you have not got the worst two. You've got the best two, but hopefully Reese can keep me in check because I've already done pre <laughs> uh, pre podcast conspiracy theories and Reese is not on board. I don't think that you can say Damon Hill was the reason Max Verstappen got penalties. Well, if, um, if Twitter can, why can't we? <laughs> um, you're doing good, Dan. You, you seem as nutty as ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm the one that just spouts nonsense and then Danny fact checks me. That's, that's how it works. Tim shows up briefly and Chris is probably uh, asleep, I think. Maybe. Usually what Chris does, he usually sleeps through these things. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the race um we're gonna go team by team today guys we're gonna go from the uh sort of the back to the front starting with Haas, of course because i mean well actually no did Haas finish last i need to check this because there were a lot of punctures which were not pirelli's fault we start with williams today with the dnf of latifi and the 17th place of george russell Dan, they said that their ambitious strategy was to blame, or partly to blame for the tyre failures. Can you blame Williams for being ambitious at this point of the season? Hell no. Like, you've got to do something. You know, you've got a driver which is off to Mercedes, um, which is outperforming his teammate. You know, you've got to try and get some points. You're fighting for the, you know, the last construct constructors kind of, uh, points with Alpha. Uh, you, I think Williams are on twenty three, Alpha on ten or eleven. Uh, Haas have got nothing, so they're not going to catch Aston Martin on seventy seven. They've got, you know, they've got to do something. It, it is what it is. You know, they had in theory nothing to lose by going long, trying something, and just seeing what they can pull off. Yeah, I agree. I think now with only two races left to go in the season and the twelve point gap they've got, you don't see Alpha Romeo picking that up so for Williams just try and gain whatever points you can boost your confidence try some new things for next season when you've got Albon in the car with Latifi um I don't think it's going to be a walkover for Albon I think Latifi has proven this season that he is a capable driver even if this last weekend he, he struggled a bit but I think his puncture whilst it looked like it might have been caused by the curb that time you can't really blame him. those curbs were a killer Oh, they they were card ki- uh, car killers. The fact that um, you've got the engineers coming on, staying like, uh, saying like, stay off the high speed curbs and uh, stuff like that. You know, we knew they were always going to be. But the thing is, it's not even the outside curb; it's the inner curb, isn't it? Like the are they green, green and white? Um, those were the ones that were destroying the cars. Yeah, the out the outer curb. Yeah, the outer curb, the, the aggressive curb was the green and white. That destroyed the curb. The the inside curb was pretty flat, they were saying, which is how it has to be for what was a motorcycle circuit. Yeah, so yeah it's a motor, uh, motorbike, uh, MotoGP circuit pretty much, yeah. But may, maybe that's where I got it wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the fact that Latifi has shown that he's not even going to be bullied around by Raikkonen, the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's not made anyone's overtakes easy, uh, He's not really been a walkover. I I just think he was unlucky by being teamed up with one of those once in a generation drivers like we saw with Lewis Alonso, uh, Vettel, 
all those sort of like ones. I think he just he got out outshined from the beginning. Um, but I think with him and Albon, it's gonna be, you know, I don't think Albon's gonna give give him any room to mess up, and I don't think Latifi's gonna give him any room. So, so I I think they're gonna be a good team, but just hope that hope that hope that Williams that Williams has got a bit more than it has this year. That be that be a good thing if Williams can come into their own the new regulations. Um, moving up the grid, bizarrely into Haas, you had Schumacher in sixteenth and Mazepin last of the run in eighteenth. Mick had a bit of a moment and I'd like to say a pretty impressive save. I know he went quite far wide at the um like the penultimate turn, but I thought that car was going to snap on him like it had been doing. All the way back in Bahrain, so I was I was pretty impressed by Mick's save and Mazepin. He's one of only two drivers who had raced in well at the Lossal Circuit um, before Formula One came there. He, he was unlucky though. I mean, his car broke on the curbs when he was driving it, uh, and then broke pulling out of the pits out in a I think it's P three. Considering everything he went through, he did well to get through the race. I thought. Oh, 100%. I personally think uh, with Haas, any race they finish is a a bonus for them. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, just like we spoke about, those curves were, were killing the cars. Do I think it made much uh, difference to Haas? Not in the slightest. They were always going to be back four. Um, the fact that they managed to wedge... Uh, Williams in between them this time was obviously because of um, Latifi's DNF. Otherwise, I think they would have been further back by by one, obviously. Um, but no, yeah, the way yeah the puncture uh, of Russell, of course, contributed. Yeah, but the way that Mick saved that, um, yeah, saved it when it was about to like head right out. I I thought it was going like the same as what Bottas went just into the gravel. I thought it was a goner. Um, but yeah, he'd done well. And, it, and I think it just proves that he is, again, a really good driver. And he's just he's just not in the right team yet. But I think, give him a couple of years, he's going to be in a top team. Well, I really hope he's going to be in a top team. Yeah, me too. I'd like to see Mick move up the grid. But it's about finding what the limit is. And it's hard to find that in a car with no development. A team, in, in a car as poor as that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Moving on up again. Moving on up. Moving up. I should, I should have guessed it was going to be Alfa Romeo. Um, Giovinazzi 15th, Raikkonen 14th. Dan, do you think it's any coincidence that the guys with the three most overtakes this season are Vettel, Raikkonen and Alonso? No. You're looking at God knows how many championships between them. Um, and what probably over 150 years, <laughs> nearly of racing experience between them, or or what or what feels like it with them being like in their 40s and stuff. But they are seasoned racers. They know how to race. Um, I personally think Kimi has taken a few risks uh, that he probably didn't need to take, and I think Giovinazzi has got some bad breaks. That weren't necessarily his fault over the season. But I think the fact that they kind of finished roughly where uh, they qualified 
ish. I, I think uh, one of them might have qualified in eighteenth or stuff like that. So you know they made they made a couple of positions up. Yeah, Giovinazzi was eighteen. Really, Kimi was sixteen. Really have an issues. They don't blow any tires. So you know they finish round about where you know where they where they qualified. Where yeah, they when you look at was. who retired, um, it being Latifi and Bottas, they were both drivers that started ahead of Giovinazzi. So when Giovinazzi moves up a few spaces, you you expected almost. Um, with Giovinazzi, he lost his seat. This uh, it was announced this week with um, Juan Yuzhou coming in to replace him. He said how Formula One can be ruthless when money's involved. Um, Frederick Vasseur was not too happy with those comments. Talent alone, do you think he deserved another season, Giovinazzi? Or was it time to bring in Joe, a young talent who has financial backing? I, as discussed like with a lot of people, and uh, I think in Discord as well, I think I brought it up, um, I'm torn. I'm not sure. Because I do like Giovinazzi. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's an average talent, but he was good for the team. Uh, but I do like Joe as well. I Something about his driving style, I don't think the money back inside of it should really be a, like, what's at the forefront of it. I know we've brought this up a few times with Latifi and Stroll and uh, for this Christmas daddy, I want a pink team, um, all that sort of stuff. But I just think he's a better driver. I, I do think he's a better driver than Giovinazzi. But I'm not ready to get on the same hype train that we got on with Sonoda because I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. He's coming through. And then man spins it on the first lap. I just hope they ease him in and he gets a fair chance at it instead of just five races. He's not done anything. He's shit. Where's his replacement? I think he's got a good teammate next year in Bottas to learn from. I think Joe needs to be a sponge to Bottas because whilst we joke about he's struggling to get through the field in certain podcasts, he is an experienced veteran and he would be good for Joe to learn from. Um, one thing on Giovinazzi, I know you say he's a nice guy, Dan, but you know that's what they say about nice guys. Finished last. And uh, he's lost his seat because, in my opinion, he's just not quite good enough. Well, that is that is uh, that is technically wrong, because uh, it would appear that assholes normally finish last. <laughs> you know, we were being so nice to everyone. You've just gone and called Nikita Mazepin an arsehole. Um, yeah, but it's bad because you didn't even. I didn't. We even knew who you were talking name. about. You knew who it was. Um, but I. Again, I think if if you're going to be paired up with somebody that you want to learn from, there are fewer people on that grid that are going to be anywhere near you in in that team better than Bottas. Um, Yeah, okay, he hasn't performed at times, but he's been with Mercedes for a fair while. He's learned a lot. He knows a lot. He's been involved in a lot. Let's hope he can do the same kind of mentorship that we saw Sebastian Vettel helping out uh, Schumacher with, like with his seat, uh, giving him instructions. Like they talk, they talk quite regularly and let's hope that they can become teammates. Like we saw in Norris and Sainz come like close like that. Next up, Alpha Tauri, Sonoda 13th, Gasly 11th. For me, 
I thought it was an extremely disappointing race for the AlphaTauri team. For me, I felt that they had the pace with at least Gasly to qualify for the top 10 on the medium compound tyre in Q2. Uh, of course, they both got through on the soft tyre and it hindered their strategy and they fell back dramatically in the race. Um, Gasly, of course, caused a lot of controversy uh, among certain forums and certain people in high positions in top teams were not too happy with how the yellow flag situation was used. But for me, when Gasly had his accident, he brought out flags and the marshals were waving the flags. And flags, in my opinion, the king. Forget about your LED screens or what flights up on the dash. Technology can go wrong, but a man waving a flag has a clear meaning. Uh, but we'll get on to that when we talk about Red Bull later. Um, as for Sonoda and Gasly, I just, I just felt that they had so much more potential and the team let them down this weekend. Yeah, I think the fact that they both qualified within, within the top 10, you had Yuki in 8th and uh, Pierre in 4th uh, before the penalties. Um, but yeah, like you said, they got that because they were on the red tyre, you know, they they gained everyone was on the red tire in Q3 but the fact that they start they fell away so fast was because they were on the wrong tire to start the race exactly but i'm saying they they give themselves a bad strategy from the start like you mm. knew you knew that tire wasn't going to go the the distance you wanted it you were going to be forced to either make uh a poor strategy position or you were forced to go long risking as we saw tire failures anyway but i don't know i i think the fact that you know he should he ghastly should have been in fourth i, I reckon maybe and you and you should have seen uh yeah. sonoda in sixth if they'd have played it right with the tires and the strategy i think you know yeah, I think the team did them dirty this week, and that all set up from the beginning of the poor tyre strategy. But, you know, they they managed to get one near the top 10. I guess that kind of counts, right? <laughs> now, oh, well, you say it, finishing 11th gets you nothing, unless you're in, what, the 2014 season or whatever it was, where we had HRT... Virgin Racing, Team Lotus, and they all sucked, and their best chances were finishing 13th to get the top spot in the <laughs> their top 10 spot in the Constructors. Um, one more before we talk about the track. Um, McLaren, Ricardo 12th, and Norris 9th. I, it felt like it was a performance that lacked guts from McLaren. Uh, and in the in one of the few countries where the honey badger is indigenous to. Thank you, David Croft, for teaching me that one. Um, Daniel Ricciardo just lacked bite. Yeah, that's one of the only good things Crofty come out with uh, for the whole weekend, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I I am a Crofty I fan. Thought he had a good one. I thought he had a good one. I no, I, I, I mean, apart from him. when he had Carlos Sainz, he was calling he was calling Charles Leclerc Carlos Sainz, wasn't he? Yeah. For it, a good three or four corners whilst... Carlos, uh, whilst Charles Leclerc's helmet made up a quarter of the screen. I, yeah, I don't know. He just, he definitely wasn't on point today. Um, 
I felt gutted for um, Norris because he was in P4, P P four, wasn't he? When he pitted for the puncher. Oh yeah. Um, so you know he 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 was up there again to score like twelve points, I think it is, or whatever it is for. Yeah, it's twelve points, is it? So um, he was up there to score twelve points. You know, he probably he probably would have had uh the space to maybe get a second pit stop. Uh sorry, a third pit stop out of that as well. Maybe push for uh fastest lap. Fastest lap. Um possibly because I think there was there was a good twenty second gap between Sergio and Esteban. Um but yeah, and then Yeah. And then you got the likes of Danny Rick, which you just expected more of, of of him, you know. He qualified in fourteenth and finished in twelfth. Like you know, you've got to do something more when your teammate is consistently whooping your ass. Like you know, <laughs> you know, Lando was on mm. on for a P four finish, and Danny's sitting in twelfth. Like I'm not being funny. Like he he has to get a grip of what his car is doing and he needs to do it quick because I can't see McLaren yeah. sticking with it. I really can't if there's going to be that much of a gap between them. Yeah, I think another thing I, from a McLaren perspective, the only positive I think they can take away from this weekend is Norris still recovering to get those two points and in the Drivers' Championship, he is still fifth. He is still best of the rest out of those top two teams. Not by much. I think it's only by a point or two. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's one point. Lando Norris is Charles. one point ahead of Charles Leclerc. Yeah. When you look at the constructors, um, I just, I just feel it's out of reach for them. A gap of what thirty, thirty nine and a half points to Ferrari. I don't see them being able to make that up in two races. I think it's more than that, isn't it? It's thirty nine and a half points, which is a problem. I think because I, I don't see how you make that up now. I think that. Ferrari have secured third place in the champ in the championship oh, yeah. this season. Unless there's failures from Ferrari, I can't see them dropping that many points because you know they are consistently up there. They're consistently scoring points, the same as what uh, McLaren are. But I I can't see unless unless both cars over the next two races have DNFs. I can't see them coming anywhere near it. And and if they do have two DNFs. They need Danny Rick up there with them because there's no point in the two cars in fifth and sixth having DNFs when you're back in 14th. It's it's, it's pointless. Yeah. If everything were to go Noah's Ark with how points are given out, you need something more. You need a special result as well. If both Ferraris fail to finish and then you you finish best of the rest after McLaren and Red Bull, you're still not bringing the points in because you're still only bringing 18 points a a week, uh, a weekend. You, you need, uh, you need a shot podium. You need a couple of shot podiums if you have any chances, McLaren, to pull these points back. And I just don't see it coming, mate. Don't because literally, F one tweeted out the like they do where they break down the Verstappen has to finish first, the Lewis has to finish sixth, uh, first and seventh. Let's second not do and that yet. Let's not lap. do that yet. But it's just like. Like, can you just give me a break, like, F1? Like, just let me kind of just chill with it for a little bit. Let me kind of break it down for myself. I don't need to see if Max can win in Saudi Arabia yet. Like, give me a break. 
let me let me sit back and enjoy my last three race uh, last two races of Kimmy. That that's, that's it. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, but he's probably um, going to do an Alonso and just pop back again anyway. Come back as a young driver. <laughs> I think he's done. I think he's done. <laughs> um, a moment to talk about the circuit because I think everyone was quite concerned that you wouldn't be able to follow through the final sector, that there wouldn't be any overtaking. And I thought we were treated to quite a good race. And I think that was down to the circuit. I like the flow of it. I have a lot of criticism of Tilka tracks. Um, but this is one I think I like. So I ask one thing to Formula One or anyone who's high in Formula One listening. If you are there, please don't make the 2023 race a street race in Doha. Keep us at Lussell because it was a good fun track. And I'd love to see these new cars that are supposed to be able to follow battling on this circuit. Oh, 100 percent, mate. I don't want to see a street circuit. I like this circuit. OK, it's a little dusty. But you're in the desert, you know. We've all seen Top Gear. We all know what the roads are like. It's not really a problem. But the fact that all of the um, uh, engineers and stuff were shocked that it wasn't as hard to pass as what they thought and they were able to come up with like better strategies and stuff because I think the last time uh, they hosted a single-seater championship was in, like, what 2009 or something like that was it it was gp2 asia yeah was the major was the last major yeah one where i think sergio perez sergio perez was a sprint race winner in that yeah. race um but other than that yeah it's not really held open seater it's held like touring cars and stuff but it was it was very very good to watch i thought i, I like the track i like watching qualifying as well i think it, the drivers were also challenged through qualifying which is a huge thing sometimes you get these tracks that are good to watch overtaking out but they offer very little in the way of a challenge on a single lap this for me check both boxes exactly but um it is in 2023 they're set to move to the the new one isn't it is that right um doha yeah so they're not going back next year because of the world cup yeah and then 2023 there i believe it is doha I, I mean, this will be the fallback, of course, if they can't race yeah, in Doha. Yeah, but um, they're but they're going for a ten year contract. That's a big like, that's a that's, that's a what big time. that's what sports washing is, Dan. That's sports um, washing, and it's and that's my that's my issue. It's like okay, I don't like the sports washing, but we'll get um, onto the p- like, politics I'm not being later. Funny. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, but right, just a little bit of politics. Why can't we give uh, Silverstone like a ten-year contract? Why, why can't we drop a couple of them of them in on decent tracks? Let's lock in these tracks that are good. Because thankfully, Silverstone isn't owned by rich Saudis. Because rich Saudis coming to British sport, it's not right. I mean, when you look at it, it, football, for example, it was pretty hard for Newcastle to find a manager. All that money they're throwing in it because no one wants to be associated with this this Saudi this I feel like I could be beheaded at any moment um <laughs> by saying this, but I think it's dirty money. Um I don't like it. And I, I would get rid I get rid of get rid of it. If you're gonna race in these countries, don't try and pretend it's not about the money. Just accept that you are there because you're hunting the money. No one no one is buying oh, we're looking to increase our fan base in this part of the world. If you're trying to increase your fan base in that part of the world, race in Egypt, or, or actually that's Africa, 
that's pretty bad geography that's yeah that's that's not the middle east um i mean it's close to saudi arabia or egypt so yeah race in egypt or even better race in south africa if you're going to race in africa race in south africa racing countries with formula one history rather than building circuits that aren't really going to be ready in time for when you get there in two weeks in saudi arabia okay right let's let's move on it's not it's, it's, it's not very often let's that I have move to say on that, but let's 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 move on yeah <laughs> if you uh if you want to own a circuit that isn't covered by dirty saudi blood money then may <laughs> i suggest our sponsor apex tracks who uh do fantastic 3d printed wall art which you can buy of your own money or being announced soon win for free if you're in the uk and ireland uh we are planning a global competition as well uh but that won't be for the 3d printed track wall art um but for all your 3d printed track wall art needs head to apextracks.com that's a-p-e-x-t-r-a-x-s.com it's so tricky to remember such a basic spelling but moving on we are now into the top five teams and it is Ferrari with Sainz and Leclerc. Sainz 7th, Leclerc 8th. Leclerc, another one who had a car killer moment, he didn't know where all his pace went in Q2, and it turned out it was a cracked chassis. Um, I like that the FIA has brought in a technical directive where you can replace a car's chassis and not have to start from the pit lane, because at the end of the day, you're suffering, I think, by changing chassis. I don't think you gain an advantage in any way changing your chassis. Uh, you're driving a new car. All your aero parts are the same, but it's still going to have a slightly different feel. So I feel that it was right for them to allow uh, or to change so people like Leclerc in this situation were able to start from their grip position. Um, that being said, I'm going to have a bit of a smug moment as Sainz beat Leclerc, and I will stand by even whatever the drivers' championship might say that Sainz is better than Leclerc, and I think Sainz has adjusted brilliantly to the Ferrari this season and it's probably the strongest first season I've seen from someone switching teams since Lewis Hamilton had his race winning but his one race win in that season switching to Mercedes I think it's the best one since then for a new driver yeah and I might arguably say when uh, Schumacher moved to Ferrari but let's not let's, let's not split hairs uh, yeah, um, well, I mean yeah, Schumacher Ferrari, but I was thinking of a recent example, and the most recent I think of oh, was yeah. twenty. Yeah, but you got to remember I'm older, it was. so it's 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 just as recent. Uh, but yeah, I think Schumacher to Ferrari wasn't as recent. That was in two. What no, was that even two thousand? Was it nineteen? Was it late nineteen nineties? Yeah, but I'm still right. It's fine, Dan. Um, I'm not. I'm not as old as you. You get to tell me when he moved. I can't remember. I I can't remember. It's, it's old, old age. Dates are uh, old dates age. are very hard. Youth, youth and being old has uh, has hindered us today. This is where we do miss Danny, who is just a sponge for this information. Yeah, see, Danny just comes up with random stuff. And I and I, I, I agree, 99% of the time, I'm like, yeah, Danny, that's right. And then i got to go onto Google just to check he's not blagging. Um, but right, let's get back to and the it's current still right. teams. And it's still right, yeah. It, then it really annoys yes. me. Um, yeah, 7th and 8th for Ferrari, not bad. Um, yeah, floor change like that, it's dangerous to keep it. You know, it's not really, you know, 
the team's fault in a way. And I think the fact that they weren't penalised it, it's not like changing an engine or uh, MG UK's. A rear wings. Rear wings or touching rear wings and uh, suspensions and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's It's kind of something that is just kind of bolted on. It doesn't really give you any advantage like a new engine does, uh, etc. So I think, yeah, for safety and the fact that that track was absolutely breaking everything on a car that it could find, um, I think it was perfectly acceptable for them to, to get on it. And I am fully embracing the Carlos Sainz movement at Ferrari. I think, you know, at the beginning, I think in the very beginning, I thought, he would not have the upper hand on Charles. I thought, I thought the team were heavily backing him, like uh, Red Bull are backing Max. Um, but Signs has moved over from um, McLaren, and he's absolutely rinsed it. You cannot take it away from him. He's like, what is he in the driver standings? Uh, uh he is seventh behind Leclerc. Exactly. No, he's done really well. He's had three podiums. The Clares only had one. Obviously, you're looking at top ten finishes and stuff in that. That obviously have give Charles more points. But the fact that he's got on the podium three times, absolutely winning in in my mind. Well, it's not out of reach for him to get fifth. Still, I mean, the gap between Carlos and Norris is seven and a half points. It's really not that far, especially when you consider the um, the luck that Lando's had since, or the difficulties Lando's had since letting that wind slip away in Ru- in Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't argue that away. To be fair, I can I can get on board with that. It's it's possible, um, but I think again, without having to bash the honey badger. I think the fact that they are that close is because he's not up there. If he was up there, yeah, I, I mean think the it gap might be is a different story. Huge. Um, I think it might be a different story. You've got Lando, Carlos, and of course Charles in between, um, separated by seven and a half points between them, and then you've got Ricardo who's languishing on one hundred and five. He's forty-two points behind his teammate. No, not even that. He's more than that. It's uh, 47 points behind his teammate. Yeah. So I think if he'd have been up there, it would have been a different story. But, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll move up one more again to Aston Martin. Now, to say Lance Stroll's race was brilliant would probably be an understatement. I think going from 12th up to 6th place is, without a doubt, his driver of the season. And... I would put it up there with one of the best drives we've seen from Lance Stroll in his career because there were no shenanigans. When he's had his podiums and amazing qualifying sessions, there's always been rain or loads of crashes and safety cars to, to boost him up the order. But this today was all driving ability. I think there was what I'm trying who the move was on. But there was one moment where I think it was Bottas, Stroll, and I want to say Sonoda. And it looked like Stroll was going to be overtaken by Bottas. And then you saw him turn that into keeping 
getting ahead, keeping Bottas behind and also overtaking Sonoda, I thought was probably the best pace of driving I've seen in a small sample in Lance Stroll's entire career in the dry. Oh, 100%. You can't get away from the fact that he qualified um, he qualified in 12, fi- finished in 6th, because I think, uh, yeah, because Vettel finished in 10th and he ended in, what was it? What did he end in? 10th. So he went he nowhere. Start, uh, he, he qualified 12th and finished 6th, and Vettel qualified 10th qualified and tenth and finished 10th. Um, it's solid. I, I had, he was know, got late on as well by Lando. Exactly. You know, it was it was a good it, it was a good drive for him, but it's something that I would have liked to have seen six races ago. You know what I mean? Um, mm. And as as bad as this sounds, I don't think within Aston Martin, I don't think there is that camaraderie that friendship between Vettel and Stroll that we've seen that we've seen in other teams. And I think I think if if that was a bit more present, there may be a lot more for Aston Martin next season having a stronger, happier team, if you will, compared to some of their other teams. Would you say that the Vettel and Stroll teammates is a marriage of convenience rather than like choice. It, it it's like you guys are there to work together, but it's not like you see mm. in the past with the likes of lot like Norris and Signs or I mean you look at the you look at Gasly and Snow, they seem to get on well. It just doesn't you, you don't see mm. it you don't see much teammate interaction between the two and i'm not sure if that's hurt a little bit by the fact that mick schumacher is being mentored by seb i think it's purely down to the fact of stroll treats him like an employee in my mind my dad owns in the lawrence company. you mean here yeah no yeah no obviously because, because obviously lawrence uh owns the company lance is obviously his son Lance looks at Seb as an employee, I think. That's how it looks to me. It's like, my dad owns the company, uh, I'm the CEO, you're the cleaner type vibe. And I, and I, I, can't, I can't see it changing. I, I don't think there is room for them to get along unless something drastically happens in the way that Lance, like, thinks and behaves and ha- and ha- and handles himself um because i think that is heavily embedded into him no no no, no uh, this right. could also this, be dan no, conspiracy this is, but... not, this is not dan <laughs> conspiracy he is there for convenience he was by far at the time the most qualified person to run in that team that was available it's yeah. he he was the most bang for the buck at the time, um, yeah. And his and when you his, don't need a pay driver like Lawrence Stroll was in that position, exactly. he can go and get the best guy for the for the role. Exactly, and I think the fact of how good Seb is or was, whatever one you want to stick with, um, he does know what he's on about, and he 
can't have done anything but help Lance in his racecraft. Uh, but do I think that he would benefit more if he was treated equally? 100%. Um, because I think the Seb we're seeing now versus the Seb we saw at Red Bull is a completely different mentally, emotionally, and just more complete person than what he was at Red Bull. Yeah. With that, we'll move on to Alpine. Ocon in fifth. And Alonso finally back on the podium in third. Um, starting with Ocon, he didn't really get the chance to defend like a lion, but he battled hard. And I loved seeing him trying to fight back, knowing that every little corner, every corner he was just trying to put a little move on Perez just to make him think was costing that little bit of time. And he said afterwards he felt like he probably cost Perez two seconds. And I think he was probably right with that. That battling was something that Perez did not expect when he got past Esteban, but he gave it everything. And while we talk about teammates that are in marriages of either like convenience or just choice and happy to be there, I think that the Alpine membership, uh, sorry, teammates are very happy that they have each other. And I think they, they fight for each other. It was shown in Brazil last week when they switched the positions back and it was solidified again today in my mind that this is a good pairing. I think, whereas we spoke about the Aston Martin teammates as convenience, I think that the Alpine driver lineup is just respect. There's no one bigger than the other. There's no, I'm more than you. I deserve this more. They are respectful of each other on the racetrack, off the racetrack. We see no problems with them. And it does look like they generally get along. And again, if you're going to learn from somebody being Esteban Ocon, if it can't be Lewis, sure as hell, Alonso is a really good substitute to learn from. And I think next year, Russell is going to have the same as what Esteban had this year. He's going to have... A, he's going to have to be a sponge and just take all of that stuff up on him. But I loved the fact that he did his best. And let's face it, he held him up for a, you know about two seconds. And the fact that he even come back at him as if to say like, no, 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 we are not done yet. I'm still going to hold you up. Um, he did give it his all. But the moment that it come out, defend like, like a lion... I, I was just thinking, right, we've, we've already got Toto. What one's Dorothy? What, what, what one's the Scarecrow? And what one's the Tin Man? I'm thinking we could line them all up. Oh, uh, there was nothing cowardly about... There was nothing cowardly about Esteban's driving today, though. <laughs> but I'm like, we've got the cast of The Wizard of Oz on the go. Alonso, I, I think we could easily gush over Alonso. One thing I wanted to see was how he got past Gasly. I didn't see it. I didn't see it on the live feed, and I, I, I might have missed the replay. But when he got past Gasly at some point on the first or second lap, he um, he battled well. And also, I loved him Verstappening Verstappen at the start. We just gave him that little squeeze of, no, no you don't, son. No. Back there, back there, back there. Children children in the back. It's uh... Go sit at the kids' table. <laughs> he did. He, sh- he shoved him off to the kids' table. It was... Um... Oh, no, 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 uh, well, but, yeah, but it's fine got because you're allowed to do that. Remember, there's no track limits. There's no pushing people off track. This rule there doesn't exist anymore. There were track limits, anymore. but pushing people off, it it's, yeah, doesn't exist. It's, it's a grey area. The precedent, it's a grey area that doesn't there, There's exist. no grey area. The precedent is set now. We can do as we wish. 
that being said, I just enjoyed seeing Alonso getting elbows, he making the and just driving well. Um, and also making those tyres last, you have to give him a lot of credit for considering everything that went on behind him with the likes of Bottas, Norris, and the two Williams. Oh, I've got, I'm gonna get into Bottas. Me, me and Bottas gotta have, have some words. We're gonna, I'll tell you what, we'll get into Bottas now. Okay, good. Because when he got that grid penalty, the free place grid penalty for ignoring single yellows, I thought that was fair. Uh, his start wasn't a great start, but that being said, an issue I have with grid penalties um, is if you get a three or a five place grid penalty, regardless of what it is, and you were initially starting on as an even number, you're less likely to be on the clean side. You're you're more likely to be on the dirty side of the grid, and when you get that odd number grid penalty, it can help you in a way because you can you're going to get a better start. Um, you're going to be on that that clean side of the grid, and you can get a much better launch, as we saw with Verstappen got a tremendous launch, oh, Alonso yeah. tremendous launch. Whereas when you see Bottas, they started sixth, and he had a poor start, but with that, he he just you know fell back. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was. I'd love to check the grid now, but I can't. Um, but I'm pretty sure it it was sixth place. Bottas started, and he just fell back, and he had a poor poor start. Yeah. He started in sixth, and like you said, you know, he's on the dirty side. And Max was gifted; a, he was he was gifted a penalty. Um, I'm gonna leave all the conspiracies out of it. I'm not gonna get into it. I might I might even do a little segment at the end for myself. But you, <laughs> but he he he's been moved onto the clean clean side of the grid, right? He's following signs, Fernando. We're talking about and- Bottas here, or. or- or no, no, sorry, no. I, I was just going back to your Verstappen bit when about the penalties. He's been moved on to the clean side of the grid. The He's following Signs, Alonso, and Hamilton in a in a slipstream. If you can't make that work in game positions, then you're doing something horribly wrong, which he didn't do. Um, so that so mm-hmm. those penalties helped him screwed over Bottas. Um. So yeah, so yeah, I mean the penalty should always hinder you, but the, I mean I think the start is a big thing. But Bottas he fell back, and then he starts battling up. I mean uh, he was sat there for ages. And I thought Bottas again, how is he going to survive in a midfield team if he can't overtake the midfield in the Mercedes? See, see, right. Um, but then he got his wake up from Toto. He got his encouragement from James, and he just he he drove brilliantly and i thought i like what you're doing here i like that you're leaving out in the hard tires there was nothing to say those hard tires would fail in the way they did oh no that was but when they went unexpected yeah they went and it was horrible to see because i mean he he had to do a pretty much full lap it ruined his race he went through the um he went through the boulder field that is a gravel trap in qatar um and when he retired it was rough I think it was just one of those where Mercedes couldn't even, they knew the car was so damaged that they couldn't even use it to try and rub a fastest lap off Verstappen. Yeah. Um, exactly. The same as what you said. He, he got eaten up by the pack on that dirty side. Didn't help him at all. And that was a negative impact from his penalty, unlike what Max got because he was moved to the clean side. Um, 
but yeah it's a point it whilst the yeah granted max would probably love to start it in second still it helps that you are on the clean side because you can probably you can um, make up for your penalty easier yeah rather um, than Bottas, who it's hard to make up for on the dirty side yeah you know i i think that uh toto and james just said to him you know this is where you're going to be driving next week uh no sorry uh next year take five or six laps just to get used to it so you can get some practice in before you go back <laughs> um and then they were like right, learn what the back Bottas, of vettel's car looks like that that is exactly it right you know we'll give you a little training exercise uh from where you're gonna be um and then bottas uh got told by james and toto right that's enough now let's just go do the, do the job we were gonna do um and which he did started getting a tremendous drive now the bit that annoys me with bottas is Okay, yes, we had no information, no data that those tires were going to blow. It was it, it was just instant. I do not agree with him coming back onto the track. One, spreading that much gravel onto the track, which I thought was dangerous at the time. I don't think he could um, control it there. Uh, but I also think that the way he was driving around the track was dangerous, especially for Sergio, because I don't think he even noticed Sergio was behind him. Um it, that that was very oh close. when he came back on yeah and then Alonso had to slow to avoid hitting him because Bottas was still taking the racing line like he was in the race um so I I want to defend Bottas here though and mm. just say when you have got a puncture it's so much harder to slow the car your turning I, angles I'm not reduced, debating so you the do fact... want to try and hit the apex even more because you're going to be swung out wide I'm not debating the fact that it's hard to drive a broken car with no tire and especially when it's not even spinning it's to stop it's sliding okay i get that but he should have been he should have been more mindful of sergio and alonso while he was driving that car around the track because it was ruined um also you think he should have done a latifi and just ditched it from a constructor's point of view being a mercedes fan no he should have kept going but i think he should have been a bit more uh aware of what he was doing cautious yeah exactly um but props to the mercedes team from uh doing an absolute killer of, of a pit stop on him getting that tire off and that oh, wing yeah. on in oh, 11 seconds wing yeah. tire brilliant you can't you can't knock it um yeah but i but i just think having that much gravel on the track not being aware of uh, sergio and uh, alonso I think it just showed how much pressure he is under. Desperation. To perform. That, yeah. That's it, yeah. Um, and it really annoyed me because I am a Bottas fan. Uh, before he was at um, Mercedes. But I just think those particular incidents, once he did pop his tyre, it irritated and annoyed me. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think... The fact that those tyres gave zero indication that they were going to pop yeah. was tragic. Well, there was, while there was caution from Verstappen and Hamilton with their second stops, um, Sergio Perez, when he made his pit stops... Um, well, first of all, let's just say Sergio Perez had an absolute shocker in qualifying. Going out, you should not... If you're at a Red Bull, and you also get put on the soft tire, you should never, ever go out in Q2. Not in a Red Bull, not in Mercedes. That, those are the two cars you should never go out in Q2. But, that being said, he, reco he was recovering well. 
What I don't understand was that pit stop. It was pointed at, if you were saying Discord, I don't understand the Perez pit stop. I, it was always going to be hard for him to get back and make those positions again to get back into, um, get back into the race. And I don't think he ever would have got Alonso if the tyres weren't failing on other cars. Because it whilst Latifi's tyre failed, and yeah, that brought out the VSC that sort of killed the challenge off. If Norris's tyre didn't fail, I don't think Perez would have been able to walk past him like he was able to walk past the likes of the Ferraris. Not a chance. Not a chance. I, myself, was struggling with their, obviously their, their decision to, to, to pull him in and force him to fight through the pack. Uh, I thought, considering where Max was, it was a bit of a an overzealous approach to get in positions and points. Um, but yeah, I think if the likes of Lando and that had been up there, they would have cut him no slack at all, and he wouldn't have got Alonso. Um, we'll move on to Verstappen then. We've already set our pace on the penalty. Uh, I feel it was deserved. The five-place penalty for ignoring double wave yellows is pretty standard. Sure, you can say there were... It wasn't clear. There wasn't on the dashboard. It wasn't on the light. But at the end of the day, you might say... Oh, there were flags there. The, the place is lit up like Blackpool at Christmas. Like there is no need to miss those flags. That they, as a driver, you watch flags for a long, long time. You, you you learn to watch flags before you learn to watch LED screens and whatever's on your dashboard. And you should know better. Like Stappen and Bottas, that is, should know better than to have pressed on, open the DRS on that pit straight when you saw Gasly. Strick, he's stricken Avatar at side, and like Carlos Sainz was able to slow down. He had the same warnings. Why couldn't these two guys? Um, but enough on that. Um, with the exception of that, what Helmut Marco and Christian Horner. Whether while Christian Horner came out and apologised, I haven't seen the apology from Marco yet. I, you can't say that about Marshalls. You can't say that about Marshalls. You you can't say that about Marshalls. They are, they are. They they are the reason the you race The only reason week. that we can race. Yeah. Uh, we, we say it all the time. Marshals yeah. are the reason that we can race. And they volunteer to do it. It's not like it's paid. They're not getting paid multi-million dollar salaries or multi-million pound salaries from energy drink firms and oil tycoons. They show up because they love racing. And to ever say anything bad about a marshal is just ridiculous. They are this huge reason that Roman Grosjean is still with us because whilst he climbed out the car without that guy running across the track, there is no fire extinguisher um, that gets there at the start. And I think the other thing you've got to remember is you can try and criti- criticise these guys, but Lussell is a, is a MotoGP circuit. And whilst we give Formula 1 marshals a lot of credit, the ones for MotoGP and all the supporting categories and superbikes, they have to be even better in my eye because a guy goes off and they are there immediately. They are making sure the bike is safe. Like the crashes, the driver's not even finished barrel rolling in some MotoGP crashes and the marshals are already there. So to criticize these guys for waving flags and maybe some lights not coming on is just ludicrous. I said at the time, obviously with the um, with with the comments that were made, get out there and do it. If you really want to criticise, get out get out there 
off your ass, go do it, see how hard it is to make a split second decision, which is, you know, the top cars are split yeah. by a click of a finger. They have to be on it and they are on it. And if you cannot see a bright double yellow way flag, then I think maybe you should move away from Red Bull and maybe get sponsored by Specsavers because it's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't need both your eyes, Helmut Marco, to understand that a drive that a marshal is an absolute hero. Um, but with that, I just want to say for Stappen's and, uh, recovery, speak right? Speak of the Chris, devil. Chris is just <laughs> speak of the devil. Chris has just woken up. Uh, he's like, sorry, guys, just in this, but sorry, Chris, it's too late to join us. Uh, I just want to say for Stappen, his recovery drive, while we talked about Hamilton's last week being phenomenal, this is a very good recovery drive. And the fact that he went and got the fastest lap is huge. And I think with that fastest lap, Verstappen has made what happens in Saudi Arabia pivotal with the fastest lap. Because if Verstappen comes second to Hamilton again, in Saudi Arabia, but gets the fastest lap, the gap going into the final race of the season is six points in Abu Dhabi. With that, that means that Verstappen to win the title with a six-point gap going to that final race just needs to finish second and get the fastest lap because he has more, he's guaranteed to have more race wins than Hamilton this season. Yeah. So, that's two weeks' time, isn't it, for Saudi Arabia or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you, <laughs> the time difference will be different anyway. Um, it's pivotal for Mercedes that they get a one to to have a chance at winning both championships, in my opinion, because it's so difficult if you've got that gap in second to third place to defend as the leader from the fastest lap attempt. And Verstappen, Verstappen drove his own race and did a very good job this week to get that fastest lap. Perfect damage limitation. Yeah. Like, you know, we've never said that Max doesn't have natural ability and he talent ability and he he is going to be a uh a champion of the future when when yeah, there is no it, hamilton yeah. there like whatever happens this season if he doesn't win the championship he will win it in the future if he doesn't yeah. win it this season, he will definitely win it in the future because lewis hamilton's are like ayrton senna's mm. and fangio's and schumacher's they only come along every so often Max Verstappen could easily be that. He could easily have his name in that category. And when he wins mm. multiple championships, you can put his name in that category. But right now, he is meeting the, the a guy who's still got the fight and he's showing it. Yeah. He is going to need to have uh, Sergio Perez on his back, on his tail, the whole weekend. If they can't mm. qualify either 1-2 or... One three or two two three etc. With them together, then you know it's the fight is going to go on and on to to the, to the very last race. But if if they can put Matt, uh, Max and Sergio in P one P two at the end, then yeah, Lewis can't catch him, can he? Well, if 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 Lewis doesn't win this next race. Because I think everyone's looking at this title battle with this with this thirteen point gap or whatever it is now. Um, let's see, drivers. It is a. So, oh, so it's eight point gap. Yeah. Well. Yes. Yeah. So, 
Oh gosh, this got even this got even more spicy. I've just realised my mass was terrible. Um, this is this is a spicy. This is spicy. I, I think second drivers could decide this championship, Dana. That's it. I, I think that's. Uh... I, I think I think we said this a while. I think we said this a while ago as well. And the fact my mass was terrible there, but I'm going to apologise to everyone for that for wasting your time there. Yeah, second drivers can decide this championship. Uh, shall we move on to Hamilton? Max and Lewis were in a different formula, a different league this race. Uh, but it it shows that he didn't even need the the the, the new engine for this race. They 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 fitted yeah, the didn't old even have the engine. best engine yet. They, that's it. They, they they fitted the old engine back in the car just to mug Max off. Max, we're putting this new engine in. To I wouldn't you. say it was that. I think it was tactical. I think it was if you're saving, if you've got a power heavy circuit like Saudi Arabia's meant to be, yeah, but, saving that new engine for it is going to be yeah, but mega. It's, but it's just um, like we've, we've we have been nervous. I'll say you that. And then we're going to put the shit engine in. We're going to beat you with that. And then we're going to the next one at Saudi Arabia. And we're going to put the new engine in and beat you with that as well. And then on the last one, we just go do whatever Fingers crossed, want, Danny. Fingers crossed and touch wood and all well, that stuff. Really, touch wood. I, I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, right, as a, as a racing fan, not a Lewis fan, I hope it goes down to the very last race. And it's literally whoever finishes first or second takes it. That's it. No outside. Which is how it would be if Hamilton if Hamilton yeah. wins the next race, then that is how it works. Actually, actually works out. But then terrible mass earlier. I I I got my old points, my new points mixed up. But then um, are we going to see tactical situations regarding Perez and Bottas? You know what's stopping Bottas completely just driving into Max, take him out completely. He's not there next season. He's not going to have enough penalty points on his license to stop him from racing. I think that's the worst way a title could be won. I, I think it's one thing to have a, a Senna or a Schumacher moment where you take your own rival out. To have someone else do it for you okay. would just be right, 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 shambolic right, for right. the sport. Okay, right. On that, as we have seen, Max and Lewis have taken out each other uh, a, f- a few times. Max has placed the car on top. You know, playing go fish or whatever, snap, um, with the cars. But what happens if Lewis in the next race wins, Max comes second? They take each other out in the first corner, championship to Lewis, right? No. If if Hamilton wins the next race, gets the fastest point. If Hamilton gets the if Hamilton wins the next race with the fastest lap, and Verstappen finishes second, mm. Hamilton makes eight points. That means they are tied exactly on points going to the final race of the season. So then if they and crashed, if it would that, go to And if wins. they both if they yeah. both crash if they both crash or fail to finish in the final race of the season whilst tied on points, Verstappen wins the title on race wins. Yes, because he he would have had nine and Lewis would have eight. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm just seeing all the dodgy ways that this could go like play out. <laughs> well whilst we get out of the conspiracy theories, I think we'll just get, just talk about Qatar one bit uh, and more to the point it was uh, the brave I wouldn't even say brave the necessary statement that Lewis Hamilton made wearing the rainbow uh, helmet um, just of course promotes it well raising the issue in this in the Middle East that it's not okay to have laws that stop people being who they are yeah and if you are a saudi or someone who has an issue with the helmet don't 
I mean, th- I mean, I understand there are reasons. I mean, I'm a Christian man, and I can understand there are people in my own faith who have an issue with everything. I don't have an issue personally. I think it's a great thing that people can love who they love. Um, and with that, I think we'll wrap it up. No, we're not going to wrap it up because I want to add something Ooh. to that. I don't think you can have a championship of any motorsport or such come to your country where for the last two years the message has been race as one fight for equality together we can do it like we can do it together and then have an issue when someone uh promotes that message within the sport it's it's it just it annoys me where okay we're gonna accept f1 and the we race as one message because it's making us millions but when someone speaks out about the inequality in your country as the race as one we get to ridicule him and try to shame him for expressing his opinion the two have to go together and if you don't want them to go together don't have the sport in your country end of if you have a problem with Formula One and the race is one message, then you've got a problem with Formula One and don't be involved in it. It's the same as if you have an issue with the flag on top of Lewis Hamilton's helmet, it's called progress. Deal with it. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up, Danny. Or Dan even. Sorry, I can't believe I've just used the wrong name. It's disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful, but that's where disrespect ends on this podcast. <laughs> Unless you say something or you do something a bit stupid or you're an F1 driver that does something a bit dickish or... Okay, maybe sometimes we do let our emotions get the better of us. But we know when science right and science wrong. And um, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, everyone, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, there's always a link in the bio of the podcasts at Formula One Fans UK on Instagram and Twitter. Search Formula One Fans UK on Facebook. You'll find us easy. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys.